Welcome to the 2020 campaign. As your two-time defending conference champions spend every waking hour gearing up for the new season opener on February 14th. I'm Evan Budrovich here to provide a sneak peek into the inner workings of this Campbell baseball program with some interviews and long-form conversations with all the individuals who helped drive the ship at Jim Perry Stadium. This podcast is called Dudes Being Dudes. Each week, we'll talk with players, coaches, support staff, alumni, even some of our biggest fans of the program, and learn about their unique roles in helping make Campbell baseball a special place to be. We start with the nuts and bolts of player development, and I'm glad to introduce our first guest to the podcast. Here's the strength and conditioning coach, Matt Rodriguez. Okay, Matt, so this begins year two with your role as the strength and conditioning coach with this baseball program. When Justin Hare chatted with you and wanted to bring you to this program, what excited you about this opportunity? I think, first off, his passion for what he's striving to build here. Um, I could hear that through the phone. Uh, and it's a school where a little bit smaller might get overlooked by some athletes. Uh, it's not a power five score or anything like that, but his vision for the program and where he, he sees it going um, was something that really kind of took me in right away. Um, and through our conversations throughout the interview process, that was, that was pretty clear and evident. And um, I'm always on board for looking to build something and not necessarily a finished product, but taking something from ground level and building it up each year and seeing guys grow and develop. Uh, that was the most exciting part for me. Um, and I think Coach Hare and I both share that passion, that enthusiasm to, to develop guys, to grow guys, uh, and to build things. It's interesting. I feel like this career move for you kind of parallels your playing days at Montclair State, a, a smaller program, not the same accolades as Division One. But for you, how do you think it kind of matches up between this role and then maybe just your career as a player growing up? Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's perfect. It's a perfect fit. Um, really, baseball-wise, as far as my career goes, I went to uh, two years of junior college baseball, then transferred to a Division three school, uh, Montclair State, like you mentioned, and not necessarily the most talented baseball player, but gravitated towards the weight room and the training uh, with obviously a huge passion for baseball since I grew up. So uh, I can kind of mesh the two together, and it's a lot of fun. I get to stay within the game of baseball, and be around the guys, be in the dugout for 50-plus games, which is awesome. And then I also get to do what I love with the sports performance aspect of it, the running, the lifting, the mobility work, all that stuff, um, making sure that our guys, when it matters most, we're, uh, we're feeling good and we're explosive and, and fast and healthy. I'm curious because you were a third baseman, kind of corner infielder mm -hmm. in your day how those skills translate to working with these guys on a day-to-day -day where they can look at you and know you played and understand that process. How helpful is that with working with these guys? I think it is to a certain degree, um, especially at the start when we get new guys in. I think that's helpful because they see that I'm not someone who played football or basketball or something like that. We can kind of connect on the whole, the whole baseball background. But at the end of the day, I'm not even going to try to go out there and coach baseball or teach them how to swing or throw or anything like that. That's not why I'm here. Uh, that's not what I was brought in to do. I'm going to strictly focus on the sports performance aspect uh, and the rest they're taken care of out here with our great staff. I'm curious now in year two, maybe some lessons you learned from the first year and what has translated into your training program for, for this season. Yeah, I think uh, for myself professionally, I'm always looking to grow and develop. Um, so whether that's a different training modality or um, exercise selection, 
that stuff I think kind of naturally occurs throughout throughout the profession as you get older and older. Um, but I think really within the second year is just growing with our guys um, and continuing to cultivate those relationships and uh, let them know that it's not just sets and reps and weight. You know, for me, it's watching them grow and develop not only as an athlete but as a human being and kind of preparing them for those life lessons that they're going to eventually leave, whether it's to go play professionally or go on into the workforce. And I want them to be in a better spot than when we got them. You're very active on Twitter, and we're looking at your Twitter account here, <laughs> at Coach Matt Rod. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating because, obviously, baseball teams, it's a lot of high energy. It's early morning lifts. But you started this past year kind of this Friday finisher series yeah. where you'll show us a little sneak peek of the Friday workouts or maybe the final conditioning drill. Give us a sense of how that kind of started and how the players have reacted to it. Uh, that's something we started last year, and uh, I guess I wasn't completely social media savvy enough to uh, kind of capture that you know, each time we did it, but um, pretty much just to, to sum it all up, like we'll go every Friday, we'll, we'll go through our lift, our normal routine, and then at the end, I'll, I'll set up a challenge. So um, whether it's a, a plate hold or a, a wall sit, whatever it is, something that allows those guys to compete against each other. Um, and this year, we went pitchers and hitters. So again, kind of further uh, cementing in some competition between those two groups. Um, and we just kept a running tally throughout the semester. Uh, and, again, just really looking to compete at a high level when you're tired at the end of a training week, when you don't feel as good, when we're going to inter squad on the weekend. There's a lot of factors kind of piling up against those guys where uh, maybe they're not feeling their best, and that's fine. That's how it's supposed to be because uh, at the end of the day, we're going to play 50-plus games, and we're going to be playing in mid-June in a regional, hopefully in a super regional, where they're not going to feel great. You know, there's a lot of wear and tear throughout baseball. So we can look back at that and be like, hey, we pulled it out. You held a 100-pound plate on your thighs for three and a half minutes at the end of a long training week. Let's get through this together. It's interesting because I feel like you and Coach Hare have a similar type of motivational style, even just in the sound of your voice and how you approach it. When you're working with players, not everyone's obviously a rah-rah person in the weight room. What is your approach? And this is holistically overall. You can't just, you know, individually it's a little different, right. but – when you're working with the guys and kind of pushing them on that day-to-day process? Uh, it's a loaded question. It's a good question. I think in terms of my approach or my style, it really, from a team aspect, um, I would say I'm very high energy, very passionate about what we're doing within our program, uh, what we're doing within each training session. So I think You'll hear me yelling across the weight room at someone to fix something um, over music that's going loud. Like, we want to create an atmosphere where these guys are going to want to come in and train and not be, like, uh, walking in the door, head down, tired, not feeling good. We want to establish that right off the get-go. And I can attest, being at a couple of the workouts, I don't wake up early enough for all of them, but the few I've been at to film, if there is a kid who's doing the form wrong or not totally focused, you and and Adam and then folks like that will be all over him right away. And I think that does translate out here to the game of baseball. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, having having a great staff also plays into that. And luckily enough, I've been able to have – Adam Fagan with us as a graduate assistant for the past couple of years, and he's been a big help for the growth of our sports performance department as well. Um, but really, that's kind of the team picture. And then individually, you have to find what motivates each guy. You know, so uh, one guy might not respond well to 
uh, yelling or something like that, you might have to take them to the side and kind of go over, hey, we need to fix this. You need to push your hips back a little bit more. Uh, whereas another guy might respond to a little bit more of a stern voice or something like that. So you really have to find out what uh, clicks with each guy and then utilize that to help them get to where they need to be. And since we are a couple of weeks from the start of the season, how do you manage this time of the year where you can't necessarily lift three to four days a week and you're balancing the workouts and the practices? How does that all kind of translate for you and your staff? Yeah, I mean, this is a huge part of the year where – uh, pitchers are ramping up, trying to get ready for opening day. Hitters are obviously doing the same. Um, so we need to manage load the best that we can within this five-week span uh, that I'll term preseason uh, prior to opening weekend. So um, volume's not as high throughout this time of the year. Um, intensity remains moderate to, to high throughout this time of the year. Um, and we're just looking to continue to uh, push qualities that we've been building throughout the entire year. Um, so nothing really changes in terms of our goals and what we set out to do, but the style and the approach of which uh, we're doing that changes slightly. Especially five-day weeks where we get back from midweek game at 10, 30, 11 at night. You know, they got to turn around and go to class and then get ready for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. That That is a grueling process when you're playing 54 games, and I think it's less than 90 days, and trying to turn that around plus also maintain the strength you had. Absolutely, and that's something – I've said since our new batch of guys got onto campus in uh, late June is I'm not looking to have you peak at that first weekend at South Alabama, right? Do I want you to feel well? Do I want you to be ready to go? Absolutely, 100%. Those games are important. But at the end of the day, we're looking to peak towards Big South Championship, regional, super regionals, college world series. That's where we need to be feeling our best physically in terms of our training. Now, obviously, there's a lot of wear and tear, but training-wise, we're going to progress our way through to be able to um, feel our best once we get to that point. And baseball season is obviously a long season. There's a lot of time for development during the season, so we can't just take time off and back off and be like, all right, we're going to go super light for four months, and then come the end of the year, we're going to feel great. It's not how it works. So we need to continue to grow and develop and train hard throughout the course of the year. It's just in a different way. It's a simple question, but I'm always curious, how much fun is it to work with these athletes and with these coaches kind of pushing them as well? Oh, it's a blast. It's a blast. I mean, we'll get in in the morning. Uh, usually Coach Shu and I are, are two of the first ones there, and, and he's he's writing his workout. He's ready he to go. He doesn't unlock the door for you? <laughs> no, he does. He definitely does at times, for sure. Um so he's writing his workout, and then and then the rest of the staff starts to pile in, and we start yelling at each other. And uh, it's a very motivating environment for not only us as a staff, but for our student athletes as well. You know, and I think deep down they appreciate it, especially when they might come in and they're not feeling great, and they're and they're a little bit lethargic walking in the door. It's easier to get up to train when you have other people around you that are so high energy and passionate about what we're doing uh, at the time that we're doing it. And just to speak to your point, we, we see Justin here and there in his shorts and a T-shirt getting a workout, T-Rob, Shoemaker, the whole, the whole crew is in there. And it may not be the same workout, but they will push themselves just as if not harder than the kids in the weight room themselves. Absolutely, and it's important. And I think the guys see that. Um, they'll see Coach Hare, Coach Shoe, T-Rob training, um, and the rest of our staff as well. Um, they'll come in and do mobility work and stuff like that, and they'll see me doing whatever I'm doing for that day. So I think that part of it is very important. At the end of the day, it is about the student-athlete. Um, 
but it's also important for them to know that we're there with them and we're going to push ourselves because we expect them to do the same. It's neat in terms of this Campbell perspective because you work with other sports, obviously, with the the track and field throws program and, mm-hmm. and with football throughout the year. But once you get into the heart of baseball season, we mentioned a little bit about managing their workload and getting them ready for the end of the year. What's that camaraderie like when you're in the dugout? And obviously you have a different role in that capacity, but yeah. you're just sitting there and interacting and, and pushing those guys during a game or during a series. Man, it's the best time of the year. You know, uh, just touching on – kind of what I talked about before with growing those relationships and, and continuing to to build as a group as a whole, uh, that's a time where, you know, there might be side conversations with guys who aren't necessarily in the game or, or between at-bats or whatever it may be. Um, that's the best part. And I get to go out and watch those guys compete and put everything that we've done in training uh, for the past six, seven, eight, nine months um, onto the, the field of play, you know, and kind of watch them do their thing in their domain. Uh, it's it's fun. It's a blast. I love it. If you, I know you played Division three baseball and, and had some good stats over the years, but if you suited up at this level, just give us a sense of how difficult that is to be a good Division one athlete and what it takes from a strength aspect and a, a playing aspect. Because we, we see it, you know, obviously watching it and observing it, but just what does it take for these guys to compete at this level? You know, um, we talked about it this morning, actually, you know, because we we had a little bit slower over start than I would like. And these guys go through a lot, you know, and we put them through a lot. Um, and we expect a lot out of them, you know, between the academic side of it, between the baseball side of it, between the sports performance side of it, between getting enough sleep, the nutrition, relationships with friends, girlfriends, family, whatever it may be. There's there's a lot on that plate, you know. So um, it's definitely not for everybody, but we we've brought in – high-quality, not just athletes, but also people who can handle that uh, and, and excel in those situations, you know, because um, we're testing them each day, a little bit each day, in hopes that come the end of the year, when it matters most, we're going to push through, and all that training will, will kind of pay off. Well, let's talk some, some players and some position groups, because I'm always curious. Yeah. You know, we see on the weekends, and, and Ryan Chassie was always one to point this out, but pitchers after they started or relievers are through a lot of innings they'd come in in the next morning to the weight room and you'd go through kind of a workout or a cool down process with them yeah. what's that sort of like because we see the pitcher throw 95 pitches on a friday and you know maybe seth johnson's done for the weekend how does he try to recover uh, with with your work over the weekend yeah uh the starting routine is a little bit unique in the sense that those guys know when they're going to throw right which which helps me uh, programming out for them, and I think it helps them mentally in terms of this is my set schedule. So um, they, let's say with a Friday night guy, they'll throw on Friday. On Saturday, we'll get them in, uh, whether at the field or in the weight room, just depending where we're at, and we'll do uh, like a mobility type of circuit just to encourage blood flow um, and kind of start that recovery process. And then we'll uh, go through um, some type of like tempo running uh, that day. So it's a little bit lighter of a day. Um, again, there's a lot of damage that occurs on that Friday night start, so just getting them moving uh, is important. And then the following it's not the old uh, foul pole to foul pole runs we saw, you know, no. growing up in high school where the coach <laughs> those... says, "Okay, you're done pitching, <laughs> go go run 20 foul poles." You yeah, know? <laughs> those are the days of old. Um, those have kind of been been debunked and not necessarily the best for for our guys. Now I know some programs that do do that, and that's fine. You know, there's. There's a lot of different ways to, to encourage recovery, and, and some people will believe in that, but I'm not a huge believer um, in the polls specifically. So um, 
but those guys, like our starters, will train three days a week. Um, they'll train two days after they throw. They'll have a day off with me. Then they'll have their second day of lift, and then uh, we'll do what I term a primer lift the day before their start where it's um, fast, explosive movements um, where we're trying to prep that body for their next start and make sure they're ready to, to rip come Friday night on their next start. We get a neat, unique perspective of, of filming some videos in the weight room, so I do see certain kids who, who always stand out. And obviously Zach Minnick was one of the strongest kids I saw. With a <laughs> catcher, you kind of expect that with the deadlifting and, and exercises. But even Kevin Westlake, just seeing some of his max workouts, I think during the Camel Strong Challenge. Oh, yeah. He was putting up, I think, four or 500 plus in deadlift. And he seemed a lot stronger than, obviously, pitchers have good legs and, and a lower half. Right. But it really does translate the weight room, too. No, he's a freak athlete, man. He, uh... He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. You know, he he squats the house. He pulls five-plus uh, with ease. He is super explosive. Like, I think I think his best vertical jump was 40 inches or so. Which I just want to give folks some perspective. Chris Clemens, who we love to death for his jumping, he jumps 44 inches. Yeah. And he's a little shorter. But Kevin, as a taller, you know, almost six-foot guy, to jump 40 inches is insane. Yeah, he can, he can handle a lot. He, like, pretty much everything I've thrown at him within the past two years, he's handled well. Um, and it's just really, really taken to everything that we've given him. And uh, even with this throwing program, like he's throwing hard every other day and arms responded well, lower has feel, still feeling well. So uh, he's definitely uh, an outlier of sorts. And it's neat too on, on the hitting side because you, you see a lot of these kids at the plate and there's progress and development. But just watching, and I know he's been going through some injuries, but seeing a kid like Colin Wolf who – you see physically is built well, but he, he also sounds and looks like a competitor in the weight room too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Wolf's definitely one of our, the leaders of this team, you know, vocal, uh, great player, uh, someone who, like you said, dealt with some stuff throughout the fall uh, coming off our college season and then summer ball, uh, but dealt with it, you know, kind of wasn't happy about it, was chomping at the bit to, to do whatever he could. But now you see him getting back into game shape and getting himself ready for the season. And I think he's poised for uh for a big year, and he's going to be an exciting one to watch for sure. Well, Matt, let's dive into some personal stuff with you yeah. before we wrap this up. Uh, you had the unique perspective of going to Sacred Heart after your playing career. Kind of started there as a GA intern, get some experience. And it's really neat because you met your girlfriend there yeah. who is a cheerleading coach there and is doing some great things. What's that moment like when you step into the working world? Because obviously as a player, you're getting experience, but when you first dive in and really get your first couple years of experience going? It's uh, It's exciting. You know, I think uh, when you first make that transition from athlete to, in my case, a graduate assistant where I'm so closely, uh, in, in terms of age, I'm close to those athletes, you know, and you're, you're learning as a coach um, how to interact at that, that age group. And then you start to develop your, your professional um, persona, I guess you could call it, and then you make that transition to uh, full-time. It's It's – Pretty cool looking back now that you talk about it. Uh, pretty cool looking back just to see that progression and how, how you move on from athlete to, to GA to full-time. It's unique, too, because at Sacred Heart, and I'm just reading off the list here, but you worked with baseball, rugby, track, bowling, which we'll talk about in a second, <laughs> equestrian, cheerleading, football. I mean, you name it, they kind of threw the kitchen sink at you. Um, when you're working with other sports, obviously we see – Every sport requires a different level of strength and a different performance base for what they do. But what did you learn just working with such a gamut of sports and, and getting those kids ready to compete? I think more than just training, because I think for me the the 
programming comes easily. Uh, that's something that you go to school for, you learn about, um, you reach out to to people that you've met in the past or, or whoever, and that kind of helps you uh, formulate your philosophy and, and how you're going to structure your, your workouts. But I think more than anything, having those hosted teams really helped me grow as a coach because I can't interact with a cheerleader the same I would as a football guy, the same I would as a baseball guy. You know, they all have different backgrounds. Um, they all respond differently to whether it be coaching or criticism or whatever it is. Um, they all respond differently. So I think that experience for me was awesome because I got to take a very broad view of different sports and fine-tune what I was doing each time I coached each of those sports. And my other question I wanted to ask you, you're a huge fan of the Swole Humps hashtag. Kind oh, of pushing huge. that out and, huge, and, huge. and sharing it. Um, how much pride do you think these kids take in, in weightlifting? I know there's the whole persona of, oh, i got to bench X and squat Y, but there also, too, is that functional strength. And, and how do you think these Campbell baseball guys respond to that? Uh, I think they love it. You know, I think uh, – and it's evident by, by their progress. You know, I think if, if you do something each day – and you don't see the progress, that's going to that's gonna say either, A, you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, the plan's not working, or uh, we, were, we just didn't achieve what we were looking to achieve. But I think with this group of guys, uh, the progress that we've seen just physically, whether it be guys who needed to trim up a little bit, guys who needed to put on muscle mass, has been, has been pretty great. Um, so I think that's a testament to, to their willpower and their mentality of coming into – the weight room each and every day ready to go with their hard hat on and not just slopping in at 545 and uh we got to train again today you know they're excited about it they're invested in it they're looking for more stuff than just what i'm prescribing for them to get better whether it's becoming a better mover or uh putting on more size extra work whatever it may be um those guys are are fully invested and i think that's that comes from the top down you know coach Hare that he puts the strength and conditioning on a pedestal, um, and that's super important to him. And there'll be times where I'll be like, Coach, I think I think we need to get a speed day in, or like, can do you have 20 or 30 minutes for me? You know, in NCAA, we only get a certain amount of hours. Um, and he's always been more than willing to to slide me 20 or 30 minutes um, when I feel that's fit. So I, I think it's uh, kind of attributed to our approach as a program, and um, that comes from the top. And finally, we'll see it in a couple of weeks here when the season gets rolling. But Spencer Packard has lost a, a good amount of weight, just yep. so that baby fat, if you will. He looks trim. He looks strong. And I know there's a lot more work than what you've done. But just give us a sense of how his process has gone from maybe June when we saw him in the regional to, to now. Yeah. Uh, Pack's someone who, you know, he's a, he's a JC guy, so he, he transferred in. And when he came in, he was a little bit heavier. Um, not Not overweight by any means, but just a bigger-bodied guy. Uh, and he had some some hamstring issues going on last year, and he's he's really done a great job within the past year and a half of transforming his body um, into a position now where where he looks lean, he's running well, he feels great, and he's stronger than he was last year. You know, at a, at a much lighter body weight. Um, so to me, that's all that's all great stuff. You know, his power outputs up, um, his weight room numbers are up. Uh, which, again, isn't the end-all, be-all. But that tells me that he's trending in the right direction. And then in conversation with him, he's like, I feel great. Uh, my hamstring's not giving me any issues. Um, I'm hitting the ball well. I'm feeling well. So to me, that's like two thumbs up. Let's go. 
Uh, that's the credit to the coach and the player, obviously, for investing it. Uh, Matt at Coach Matt Rod. Want to make sure people know that. Uh, you can see <laughs> him. That. You can see him on the bench. He refuses to wear sweaters and usually wears shorts around. So typically so, yeah. If you know where to find him on the that third base <laughs> dugout at home games, uh, Matt, we appreciate the time and and this was fun. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it, Evan.